But in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, which is our text for the next four weeks, this is our second week in Matthew's Gospel, uh, the Lord Jesus is uh, with his guys, is with his posse, his 12, and, and they come to they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And you know why they asked that question? Because there was something different about Jesus' life. They knew that he, he was definitely connected with the Heavenly Father. They knew that. They, they saw it. They saw it in his outworking of his life. And, and they wanted to pray the way that he prayed. Because there was something different about it. It was different than the way that the religious people prayed. It was different than the way that the, you know, the, all the different incantation, incantations we do. It was different than all that. It was something def, deeply connected to the God who had created them. And so they said, Jesus said these words. In the old King James, they were in red in your Bible. They might be in red in your Bible. Or however you look at this, these are the words of Jesus, and he is teaching us to pray. So we're going to read this out loud together. This is a public prayer. We're reading this together. Let's start off with the first verse number 9, Matthew chapter 6, verse number 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Come on, keep going. Okay. To temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I mean, I want to speak to you on this idea this morning. Our Father knows best. Our Father knows best. Yesterday, Miss Christina had about 17 small group leaders. I don't know how many. I, I saw a page, multiple pages, I think, full of small groups that are starting. Guys, we're going to pray over the leaders. I want to encourage you to take this step. At the end of the message, you're really going to know why you need to get into small groups for you personally. But let me pray today. Father, it's just been such a wonderful day in your presence already. First two services and worship this last service. It was just, it's your breath that fills our lungs to give you praise. We're so grateful for that. Lord, every person that's here today, they come different backgrounds, different places, and all kinds of experiences of life, but you brought them here to this moment to hear your voice, not my voice. Lord, I pray that in these next few moments, you'll give the people that are here ears to hear not my words, but your words. And I ask this, Jesus, in your wonderful, powerful, bless the small groups, bless the leaders. Thank you for grace. Thank you that we can grow together, connect together, and learn more about you and your wonderful name. Amen. You may be seated. Our Father knows best. Our Father knows best. It was the summer of 1986, and it was a life-changing moment in my relationship with my dad. My, comp my relationship with my father had been complicated. I mean, starting probably from elementary school, middle school, got really complicated. High school, no relationship, broken, twisted, complicated. Left the home at 18, and I got good saved when I was about 21. If you've been around here, you've heard this. You know, you've heard, I got, I just, I really got transformed. Christ transformed my life right around the age of 21, 22. And I gave my life to Jesus, and, and I felt called to God, of God to do something with my life. And, and over the next couple of years after high school, I processed this, and I, I believed that I was supposed to go to Bible college. So at the age of 22, I, I left Tucson, and I went to Portland, Oregon, went to Bible college. Uh, my first year of school, I always had, I, I'm a friendly guy, I always had friends, and I like to have friends of the opposite sex as well, and I met a young lady, we were friends, and nice girl, and, and uh, end of the school year, I said, hey, I'll just, you know, hey, why don't you come, we, come out and just, you know, meet my parents out in Arizona, I wasn't thinking about marriage, like, that was not in my frame of thinking, and, but I think she was thinking something different, you know what I mean, I, I mean, you're asking a girl, I mean, I, I gotta tell you, I, I, I was 
sometimes not the smartest pencil, wasn't the sharpest pencil as the box, as they say. I didn't connect the dots. I just did it. I know you didn't. I wasn't that smart. And I bring this girl to my parents from Portland to Tucson. She's thinking, you know, the big question. It was the farthest thing from my mind. Never going to happen. After a couple days there, my dad, he said, hey, Junior. He said, hey, why don't you come up my room? Now, the last time my dad had asked me to go to his room, yeah, it was a whole different conversation. You know what I'm talking about? It was a boom, boom. It was one of those pow, pow. Now, we don't do that in our family, but it was a pow, pow, and this was a different conversation. I said, all right, so I go up to my dad's room, and my dad says, Junior, what are you doing? I said, well, I said, what do you mean I'm doing? He said, well, you bring this girl home, and he said, are you going to marry her? What are you talking about? I got to marry her. And she said, man, he said, you are, he said, he said, you got her heart. I said, you, you are going to have to talk to her son. You're going to tell her that you're not going to marry her. And when he said that, I knew in that very moment, father knows best. I just knew it. I knew that, that she wasn't the one for me. Now, I, you know, fast forward next year, I go back to Bible college and I met the one. I met the one. Shanda Boho, ha ha la baba. I met the one, the dream of my life. Oh, my father knew best. And what I realized, I was processing the story again. Some of you have heard it before, but I realized in that moment about my father, earthly father, is that he had my very best in mind. He did. He had no stake in the game, right? He just really cared about me. And, and he cared about the girl, but he really cared about me making the right decision because he didn't want to see me take a detour, didn't want to see me take a wrong turn, go the wrong direction. And he'd also been down that road. He'd made some detours. He'd made some wrong decisions about his life. And he didn't want to see me go down that trail because that's what good dads do. We want to protect our kids. You have a heavenly father today who has your very best in mind. He loves you. He created you. He made you. He know, And here's the deal. He doesn't just know your past. He doesn't just know your present. But he knows your future. Come on. He knows everything. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He knows your whole life. Jesus prayed this prayer. Last week we talked about our Father, starting off with praise and thanksgiving. Today Jesus is talking to them about getting their hearts in the right position. Positioning their heart in a proper way to do the will of God for their life. It's so important. When he talked to them about this, he used this term, the kingdom of heaven. A kingdom come. This is a very familiar phrase to Jesus, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Jesus in the, it would be recorded over 300 times he would say this phrase. And it just simply means the ruler, the reign of God. Heavenly realities in our everyday earthly experience. That's what he was saying. We're praying this. To the Jewish people, it, it had a really clear, succinct meaning to them. The Jewish people that Jesus was speaking to, and, and listen, he was a good Jew. When he said the kingdom of God, when he spoke, he, they knew exactly what he was saying. They knew, they knew in their thinking at least, that that was going to mean the kingdom of David, the rulership of David, the greatest king that they had ever had that lived about a thousand years before was going to be restored. 
the united Israel, the 12 tribes coming together, and that blessing that had been spoken to their forefathers 2,000 years before that to Abraham, saying that I would bless you so that you can be a blessing to the nations. Those special, unique Jewish people that God had called 4,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago in their world, man, they were going to rule the Messiah, the one that was promised from Isaiah and the other prophets. He was going to come, and they were going to rule and reign, and they were going to be all that. They were going to be that special chosen people. The kingdom of heaven was going to rule again. David, David's throne, which was glorious. It was the most powerful season. And it wasn't very long, but it was a powerful season when united Israel came together. And they led their generation. They were powerful and they were united and God was their king. And they were following David, who had a, a man who had a heart after God. They were powerful people. And God was going to restore that. They were no longer going to be subservient to the Romans. They were no longer going to be someone else's slave. They were no, no longer going to have to submit to someone else's guidelines and rules. They now were going to be the ones in charge. And when Jesus comes, he flips the script on them. That kingdom of God wasn't a material kingdom the way that they were thinking. It was a different kind of kingdom. It was a spiritual kingdom. And you know what that kingdom was? That kingdom would reign and rule right inside of here. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. The rule, the realities of the kingdom of God. And here's a, it wouldn't just be for the Jewish people. If it was, it would just be a few guys like me. I mean, the fact is, it wasn't just for the Jewish people. Jesus said, it was for all people. I want you to go to all the world and preach all the gospel to the whole world and make disciples of all nations, every ethnic, every ethnic group, the yellow man, the red man, the black man, the white man, the green man. I mean, every person on planet Earth, the gospel is good news for all people. Someone said amen. amen. Come on, say Amen. The kingdom of God wasn't just for a few, it was for all people. It was for all people. And it was in here. And everywhere these kingdom people went, they would be carriers of the divine reality of who God was. There is a future kingdom that he also spoke of. There is a kingdom that is yet to come. It's what we hope for today. We hope for it today because our world is messed up. That, that original kingdom that God had made in the garden with Adam and Eve had been, has been marred by sin and pain and problems and sickness and suffering and war and brokenness and division and hatred and racism and poverty and disease. All these things have run rampant for how many ever thousands of years men have existed. But God is going to restore. His kingdom is yet to come. It's coming. The king of kings and the Lord of lords, he is going to return. He is going to be the Messiah. He is going to be the Lord of lords and king of kings and Lord of lords over all of creation. All of creation. Restored back to its glory. Oh, it's powerful. And so in the meantime, his disciples got to know how to live. And so he says to them, this is how you're to pray. You're to pray because your father knows best. The first little blank that you can fill in your notes there. So you know what? Invite God's rulership. Invite your father's rulership into your life. Pray your kingdom come. Pray your kingdom come. The rule of God. Do you know today that this is the most dangerous prayer that you could ever pray? This is the absolutely, listen, when you pray this prayer, you better get ready to buckle up buttercup. 
I'm serious. This is a dangerous prayer. This is not just, oh, our Father chart in heaven, hallowed be the name. I can't come to what we done. Little magic thing here. That's not, no, no, no. You're getting ready to shake the reality of your earthly experience. Your kingdom come. You see, this prayer challenges us to prioritize what's the most important thing in your life. And what is the most important thing in your life today? Is it a successful career? Is it sexual fulfillment? Is it having perfect marriage, the perfect children, the right school, the perfect school for your children, the nicest car, the biggest house, the best clothes, being in the right in group, becoming famous, being happy? And really, what, what's your motive? What's your drive? What's driving you today in your life? What's your will? <laughs> and listen, we, all these things that I've just talked about, God speaks to them, and, and they're part of God's plan, but they're not the drivers of our life. And many times what happens in our life is these things supplant the will of God. They get on top of the will of God, and that's when things get messed up. That's when pain comes, problems come, divorce comes, bad. All the stuff that we walk through in life generally is because it got messed up. Whether it was way back in the garden or personal choices that we made. Along the line, along the line, the will of man superseded the will of God in that moment. And destinies were changed, lives were changed, problems came into the world. And so God is inviting us into this reality, this heavenly reality, to allow him to rule and to reign in our everyday decisions and lives. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. The longest journey of your life isn't the road trip that my wife and I took from Seattle to Central Florida. That's not the longest, that's not the longest journey that I've ever taken. Or I fly to Israel overseas or go someplace on planet Earth. No. That longest journey that I've ever taken in my life is knowing knowing the will of God, knowing what he says, and then owning it in my heart and living it. At 18 inches, right, that's a long, long, long way. You see, inside of every one of us, there's a struggle. Everyone say struggle. There's a struggle in your life. There's a struggle in my life. Paul the apostle knew it. Paul understood it. In Romans 7, he's like, I don't really understand this. I don't understand this about myself. Uh, for some reason, I want to do what is right. I want to do the will of God, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Anybody else ever find themselves in that position before? You know to do right, but you find yourself like being pulled like a magnet, and you end up doing what's not right, and then you hate it, and you feel guilty and shamed. That's the enemy's tool. Shame, condemnation, guilt, keeping you underneath. Keeping you feeling like you're just going to be a victim. I'm just a victim traveling through. Oh, poor me. Oh, it's so hard. I'm just a victim. Just a dirty, rotten sinner. Uh, you're right. <laughs> no, 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 no. Once again, Paul sees himself from a different perspective. He sees him from the lens of God. He sees him from a different view from the lens of the cross, from the lens of the resurrection, the reality of who Jesus is. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 6, he says something like this, but letting the Spirit control your mind. All of a sudden, we're, 
all of a sudden something inside of us begins to shift. We're, yeah, no, 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 no. But when we allow, we pray his kingdom to come. We're allowing God's spirit to come into our lives, our hearts, and our minds. And we begin to think differently. And we begin to think differently. That life leads to a life of peace. Life and peace. The life that Jesus called us to. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. You see, when the Holy Spirit rules and reigns, we can be walking through some very dark seasons and times. We feel the struggle. Come on, the hat, you know, the, the, if you do Facebook or Instagram or whatever, the different ones, you know, all the hashtags. And years ago, you know, I, I discovered hashtag struggles real. <laughs> you know, it's real. It's real. We understand today. We settle his kingdom in our hearts. It's a personal choice. You choose this. God calls us, God lays out the pathway, we pray for his will, and then we choose to follow. We choose to obey. Jesus in John chapter 7, verse number 17, I love what he said. I love that Jesus is really clear about anyone who chooses, everyone say chooses. I'm telling you my theological perspective here. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God. You see, when you choose God, when you choose God's will, you will discover the promises of God are yes and amen to them that believe. But you choose. Oh, you have a struggle. But you've settled in your heart. you settle. Here's the thing with the, with the, with the struggle. Uh, sometimes we think, I just, it's a one-time struggle. It's a one-time settling. No, what I've discovered, man, it, it sometimes it's multiple times in a day. I am settling the rule of God in my heart. I'm settling it. I'm making the kingdom. I'm choosing to obey God. I'm choosing to walk out his will and purpose, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard. God's given us his words. He's given us his promises. And so when we do this, we begin to seek his kingdom. Not my will, not my kingdom. It includes, it includes my relationship with my spouse. It includes my marriage. It includes my career success. It includes where I'm going to live. It includes all th those things. But ultimately, it's above all those things. It's his kingdom. It's his will. God, what's your will? God, what's your purpose? God, who's the person you want me to marry? God, where do you want me to work? God, what neighborhood do you want me to live in? Father, uh, uh, what friends? Who are the people, Lord, that you're calling me to serve right now? Lord, it's not my will, but your will be done. Things begin to shift, where I'm going to school, all those kinds of things. We begin to pray, then we begin to understand that this life, that the will of God is not a mystery. The will of God is not a mystery, but it's a road to be traveled. I mean, sometimes it's so mysterious, so, so you know, it's ooh. My wife and her someplace recently we were on vacation, and they had some, you know, clairvoyant person reading crystal balls, and they're kind of like, I couldn't believe the people were lined up to pay this lady money. I'm like, wow. Oh, you, uh, you know what they're looking? They're looking for, they're trying to solve the mystery of their life without God. I can tell you, that, that road leads. That's not a good road. Stop. If you're doing that nonsense, don't do it. Don't do, horoscopes, don't do it. Just stupid. It's just dumb. <laughs> Don't seek the stars. Seek the one who created the stars. Come on. Amen. Come on. That's preaching. That's like real practical. <laughs> it's a road to be traveled, and we're on this journey together. 
So we're buckling up. We're asking for his kingdom to come because you know why? Your father knows best today. Your father knows best. And so we have to make decisions. What do we do next? How do we do this? Then we pray, your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. So we pray to know his will. Paul the apostle in Romans chapter 12, he talks about not being conformed to the things of this world, the, the manipulations and the motivations and the drives. Don't be conformed to the patterns of thinking of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then, I love what he says here in verse number two. He said, listen to what he says here. He says, then you will discover, you will find the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, when we think of perfection, we got it all wrong. We think of perfection as exact, like next step, play by play. You know what I'm talking about? Like your little Google map, and you Google best breakfast and Lake Mary. These people should pay me what I'm about just about to say here. <laughs> and then it pops up. I'm leaving City Church. I want to find the best breakfast place in the area. Go out to Orange. Take a left. On 46A, take another left. On International, take a right. Go all the way down. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Oh, keep going. You're not there yet. Oh, Lake Mary Boulevard. Cross the light. Right-hand lane. Little plaza right there, back corner, Peach Valley. Peach Valley, best potatoes in the town. You're like, that's how you want God's will, play by play. No. God says, get in your car, turn the key on. <laughs> oh, okay, now do I, okay. Well, we want play by play by play, the step by step. Look at this whole road map. God says, no, you're on a journey with me. You're on a journey with me. We pray to know his will. In John chapter 6, Jesus said, For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. We have to trust. His will, the word perfect there, means to be mature, to be complete. Isn't the fact today that all of us in this room want to know the will of God? That we all want to know what his kingdom will is, what his kingdom purpose is? Well, here's two things that I've discovered. Number one. There is a will of God that's already been confirmed. There is a will of God. You don't have to pray about it. The Bible, uh, theologians call it the revealed word of God or the known word of God, the will of God. You know what it is? It's what God has told you to do in his word. 3,600 years ago, men began to write the Bible. A guy named Moses, God spoke to him, wrote the Ten Commandments. And then from that time on, we've had written revelation. We weren't just like Abraham of old who had no Bible, who had no scriptures, he was in, but he was in communion. He walked by faith. He had to listen to the spirit and the voice of God to direct him in his next steps. There are, there are so many things in our life that you never need to pray about. You just don't need to pray. It's the revealed will of God. Uh, let me give you just one small tiny example. One small tiny. First Timothy 2.4. Going to give you my theological Persuasion once again, 1 Timothy 2.4. God our Savior who wants some people. No, God our Savior who wants a few chosen select elect. Huh? God our Savior wants everyone to be saved. Everyone to be saved and to come to the understanding of the truth. Now here's the problem. Not everyone gets saved. And this is where it gets complicated. And this is where we say, I don't know. I don't have it all figured out. But I know the revealed will of God. The revealed will of God for your life. And let me tell you, there are many positive commands in the Bible. 
Here's what I've discovered. The positive uh, um, words of encouragement. The, the, the positive perspective of God when he speaks of things for you to do are for your benefit. They're for you to have life, to have a blessed life, a good life. Go to church. Don't have to pray about it. Don't have to pray about it. God just says, forsake not the assembly of yourselves as such as some have. And they've gone adrift. They've gone the wrong way. But clear, don't have to pray about going to church. God says, go to church. Be with other believers. Be in a small group. Don't have to pray about it. Your will might not want to be in a small group. That's another story. God never said for you to pray about blessing your enemy. Not one time. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, you know what? Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who despitefully use it. For such is the kingdom. Everyone say kingdom. So when you're driving down the road and that guy gives you the middle finger or that girl, whoever it is, you got a choice to make. Come on, you got a choice. You can bless or you can, you can let your will take over and get up on their rear end and puck your car right up and then you get your head going. And, and then they pull out a gun and then you're like, woo. <laughs> now I just can't. But come on. You got a choice. God doesn't say pray about being a blessing. God doesn't pray about you serving in your local church, using your gifts. He doesn't say, he just do it. Serve one another. He doesn't pray. He doesn't pray about it. Those are positive things. When God tells us to do things that, that seem to feel good for us in the moment that everyone else is doing, those are our guardrails. Those keep us on the right track. And God doesn't tell us to pray about whether we should abuse our bodies with substances. Don't want to pray about it. We just don't do it. We choose the will of God, which is better. God doesn't tell us to pray about committing sexual sin or sleeping with the person who's not our spouse. doesn't tell us we have to pray about whether that's right or wrong. I've had people, all these things I've had people talk to me about. doesn't have to you have to do it. Don't do it. Bible doesn't, you, you don't have to pray about whether or not you should cheat your neighbor or lie on your IRS form. Or fudge on your employer time clock. You have to pray about that. Or not. You just don't have to do that. You just don't do it. You choose the will of God. You choose to do what is right. The Bible doesn't say to singles that are in the room, Lord, should I date this person? He's a really good guy, but he's not a believer. Should I date him or not? The Bible says, no. You have to pray about it. Just don't do it. Now, wait, your will. Well, 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 bless God, you don't know. I mean, everything else lines up and the style. Everybody likes him. And, is he a believer? No. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just, I, hear me today. But the will of God is clear. Worshiping false, false gods, getting to, I mean, there's so many things. And so we pray his will. We understand the struggle. Jesus actually went through this in the garden. In Luke 22, the Bible says he knelt down and prayed because he knew what he was about to do. All your sickness, all your sin, all your junk, all the stuff of Jeffrey Epstein, all the stuff of Eugene Smith, the stuff of Pastor Glenn, really bad. No, uh, I'm just kidding. All your stuff, he was about ready. He that knew no sin was about ready to become your sin. Take it all on him. He never sinned. He was perfect. Take it all on him. Take all your mess, all your messiness, all your junk. And when he hung on that cross, he said, Father, he, listen, he, he prays this prayer in the garden. 
Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but your will. Oh, there was a struggle. Come on, he was a man just like you and I. He had to wrestle through this. But he chose who endured suffering for a moment so that you and I, when he was on that cross, could look down from that tree and he would look down the corners of history and he would say, Father, forgive them for they know not what to do. And in that moment, he made it possible for you and I to have this relationship with our Heavenly Father and to know what it is to pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. And so we make decisions based on the will of God, the known word of God. But where it gets complicated is in the area of personal choice. I call this the allowed will of God. And God allows you. You're not a robot today. God has a plan. God has a purpose. But God's giving you personal choice. I don't understand how all this works. I don't understand how he knows everything about my life and at the same time he allows me to make choices and sometimes not very good choices and he still is able to fold them all into this marvelous plan. I don't know how he does that, but he does do it. And God allows you and I to make choices. We make decisions based on the will of God. All those things, all those questions that we have. I'm just going to give you just real quick, just a couple things. How do we know? How do we determine this? First of all, you got to be people of the word. God will speak to you. What we've discovered in our journey of faith, what we discovered in our marriage is that when God speaks to us, he always speaks in stereo. It's never mono. People come to well, God told me. Okay, well, the moment you tell me God told you, I, 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 be, I'm, I, I believe, I trust. I trust, I believe you. I believe you, what you're saying. I, I believe, you know, if God spoke to you, he spoke to you. I, who am I to question God? And God told me, okay. Now, if you come to me and say, Pastor, I'm praying, and this is what I'm sensing. What do you think about this? Then we can have a conversation. But once you pull the G card, I can't, there's no conversation. You understand that? And so we pray God speaks to us through his word. He always confirms. The second thing is God always uses people, places, and circumstances. People, that's the second way that God directs us. I, I, it's really clear years ago. Really seeking, really seeking God's kingdom, really putting him first, seeking the Lord, really needed some clear direction. And I'm just having a conversation in passing, and this is how God works. Like, we want this, like, boom, this revelation, like, pop out of heaven, and a hand, and like Moses, you know, on, on the rock, and write it out. And, uh, you know. and I'm just talking to this person, and I respected them greatly. They were a godly man. There was a godly man of God. But we were watching a football game. And in the middle of the football game, he asked me a question, and I started answering, and he didn't even let me finish because he's a good pastor. He just talked right over the top of me, started telling me what he thought. <laughs> he said, I don't And while he's talking, God confirmed the direction of our life. It literally, it li we were going to go this direction. And through that conversation, in that moment, I changed my mind, and I realized that God was leading me in another direction. We're here today because of that. Wow. God uses people, speaks into our life, godly people, godly circumstances. The other thing that I ex experienced from God is his financial provision. He always provides. My, my God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory. You're leading, you're doing God's will. We, we buy this property, God's will. How do I know it's God's will? He provided for it. It was amazing. We, had no, we didn't have the resources. Uh, five years ago, we were sitting on blue chairs at 650 East Airport Boulevard. Today, City Church is sitting on brown chairs at 1711 Orange Boulevard. Come on, amen. Give God a big hand. 
God confirmed it through his provision. Last thing I want to say about this. Here is, here's your true north. Here's your true north. A couple weeks ago, brother preached the message in one of the, I think the first service, and he handed out these little compasses. And the one that I picked up must have been made in China. Because when I picked it up, it wasn't point, you know, north was, it, I don't know, it was going like southeast or something, but it wasn't north. But when God directs you, God's true north in your life is peace. Everyone say peace. Peace. Very famous verse. Believers quote this all the time. It's Philippians 4. But what I've discovered is that this peace that passes all understanding in Philippians chapter 4, verse, you put that on the screen there. This peace that passes, it's my true north. It's the measuring rod of my life. It's the guiding, it's my guidepost, peace of God. Now, how do you find peace? I just can tell you, when you can't sleep well at night and you feel, you just feel anxious and you have to drink something or do something to try to find peace, you're not doing the will of God. Hear me today. Mm -mm. Peace of God, he, he does. He guards our heart and our mind. He helps us stay focused on his will. So this thing's not a formula. It's not a formula. Because the word faith simply means trust. Everyone say trust. We trust that he is going to work out in our lives his perfect plan. We make this decision. We make the next decision. Listen, I talked to someone recently. They were really concerned about messing up their kid's life. I said, well, you're a Christian? Yeah. Are you praying about it? Yeah. Are you, seek are you serving in your church? Yeah. Are you seeking God first? Yeah. You're not going to miss it. I, I don't know what the options, it doesn't really matter to me what the options lay before you. I, sometimes, <laughs> I don't know about you, I like it when God like gives me one choice. That's a really easy one. Other than that, Laura and I are doing a date night, and so we go to a restaurant, and I live right down the street here. I don't know about you, but if you live in this area, there's like 5,000 restaurants. We could not figure out what restaurant to go to. I mean, we got like 50 right here, and you go to the next street, you got another 50, and then you go down to Lake Mary Boulevard, you got another 500. I mean, and so we headed to one, and we got there, and we ended up going to the one next door. There you go. That's how it worked out. Right? I mean, it's, when it's one, but, but what I've discovered when you were praying for his kingdom to come, his will to be done, he leads us, he guides us. We're not going to mess it up. He just folds. All things work together. He's working it together. He's working. He's given us choice. The last thing that we're going to do as we pray as it is in heaven. Having realities and our earthly experience. You know how you do that today? You turn your focus upward. The writer of Hebrews says it like this. There's a great cloud of witnesses that surround us today. Ho, 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 ho. There's a whole host of heaven that have walked this journey, that have walked this life of faith, faith that they've lived the will of God and their generation and they died like David. They're cheering us on. They understand the spiritual realities are far more real than the natural realities that you are walking through right in this moment. Oh, so what do we do? We keep our focus. We understand the weapons, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians. This is your next box there. We use spiritual means. The weapons, how we walk this out, the struggle, the fight. The fight, the weapons are not the weapons of the world. They're not bullets. Come on. They're not bullets. They're not bombs. They're not bigger bank accounts. No. The weapons that we fight with, on the contrary, they have divine power. 
God's supernatural power that invades our earthly reality and it demolishes every lie. It demolishes every pretense. It demolishes every falsehood of the enemy and it sets us on a course to be people who are victorious, people who live an overcomer's life. Come on, people who will worship and praise Jesus all the way to the end. So we use spiritual means and we also use every natural mean available to us today. Every natural mean. People, and I grew up in a church where it was a sin to go to see a doctor for some people. You know, it's like, you didn't have enough faith. Why are you going to a doctor? You didn't have faith. And I understand the thinking behind that. But the reality is, this is what Jesus said. <laughs> Jesus, again, he flips the script on people because he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not a formulated God. Get rid of this. He's not a formula God. No, he's a faith God. He's a God who responds to the faith of his people. And on hearing what some people were saying about why this man was sick, he says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. If you need to see a doctor, go see a doctor. All right? It's just that simple. He's a healer. Jesus died for every stripe that was bore on his back was for your sickness, not only your sins, but your sicknesses. Yes. I can't go into this deal. I mean, there, but there's just, if you need counseling financially, Maybe you're, maybe you just don't know how to manage your money, and and you're waiting for this miracle. Every if you're always waiting for a miracle to fix your financial problem, you know what I mean. Something's not right. You're not walking the will. You're just not. There's something because he said he will supply. He created us to be stewards, <laughs> and so you need some help. And so we have Financial Peace University in a small group. And this guy Dave Ramsey, he's got amazing insight and knowledge on how to manage your money, budget your money. Come on. Use our natural means. Heaven invades. their spiritual principles that invade our earthly reality. They're heavenly principles. So we use natural means. You need a doctor, go see a doctor. You need a counselor, go see a counselor. Oh, God is working in not. He's working all things together. It's not an either or. We get, a, we get this either or mindset. Sovereign free will. I got a jump rope back there. I'm doing it. I'm just not using one arm with a jump rope, right? I got one end of the rope, that ain't gonna work. Might hit you in the eye, but it ain't, I'm not gonna be able to jump rope. But when I grab the sovereign the choice, I begin to jump, and that's how I live life. I trust God, I live in faith of God. And then last thing here is we stay clear-minded. We stay sober-minded. And so I have something very sobering that I need to share with you today. So we, we're all in a journey, right? We're all in a journey. We're all in this thing. I've had to walk this out. I'm going to tell you how we are walking this out, my wife and I and our family, right at this very moment. This is what's happening. And 2001, City Church was two years old, and Miss Laura discovered that she had breast cancer. I remember the day that it happened. I remember the scream that came from our bedroom. I remember that wow, it just rocked us. I mean, it rocked our world. The church was two years old, movie theater. We didn't know we were going to exist. It was very complicated. We had no team, no staff. God, we just saw the faithfulness of God. I mean, we saw the body of Christ, people from other churches come and help this little brand new church. And people that were in our church did the best they could. And we, we just grew as a team. We grew as a family. I understood the importance of small group more than that I ever did. When you're going through the dark time, man, you don't need to be away from the body. You need to be close to the body. You need, come on, you need your friends in your time of need. And so that was 2001, and, and, and God was merciful. It was miraculous to see God's healing power at work in her life. And 
2012, she went back to the doctor. And, you know, we, every year we do this, multiple times a year, to make sure tests. We're, we're going to the doctor. We're just making sure. We just keep, right? She goes, she gets another report, cancer, cancer cells. And they do a double mastectomy. So we walk through that journey. And in 2014, massive, massive, two tumors attacked her vocal nerves. Massive tumors. Very advanced cancer attacked her body. And I'll tell you, man, the doctors, they were like, you know, when they're doing the conferences around you, you're like, ooh, it's a little, you know. And they have some of those languages, and it's very challenging, dark and hard, and you're trying to process it. And the whole time, the whole time, I, I keep looking at this amazing, this 32, we're going to be 32 years here in just a couple weeks. And man, she never doubted. She never batted an eye. She never asked God why. I remember this last bout of cancer, she had just had surgery, and she's asking for her work that she needed to do here. She's laying in a hospital bed. And that's, that, that's kind of, and she just loves you. She loves the church. She loves the kingdom. She loves the will of God. 2014, man, we walked through that season, and you know, the doctors are looking for five years. That's their window, the five-year window. You can put my wife's picture up. I appreciate that. Can you give Pastor Laura a great big hand? Come on. This is my beautiful wife. I love her with all my heart. And we went through that journey. We're looking for that five-year window. Four weeks ago, in the middle of a service, she reached up and she touched her neck. And there was something growing there again. It ain't ever easy, folks. Come on, you think it's easy. I mean, you might see me up here. This is not my life. This is a part of my life. And I told the camera guy today, I said, thanks for serving. I said, because I need you on that camera. Because that way people all over the world can see what I'm about to say today. I, said, I told him, thank you for serving. I, the Lord has need of him working on that camera. I'm just a person in this body doing what God has asked me to do in this season. And we're in this journey. We went to that doctor's office a couple weeks ago, and that doctor said some very scary words. Cancer is ugly. I hate it. I hate what it does to people. I hate. And I remember in that moment, I remember he hearing this voice, God's got it. Come on. God's got it. Oh. We've had to make some difficult decisions. Just this last week we had to make a decision about where to go what's our next step we're praying isn't it funny I, I would just say how God just knows everything in our lives he spoke to my heart he spoke to my heart very specifically we, the way we put together a series it's kind of sometimes it's a group thing we talk about kind of where the church is at what we need to do but I, I mean about four months ago five months ago I just felt told pastor I said like I need to teach the church how to pray again we just need to be people of prayer we just I mean that's <laughs> when the prayer barometer goes up in this church, the heavenly realities come down, become greater, more powerful, more real, and there are more miracles and more healings and more salvations and more baptisms and more deliverances and more miracles. It's just how it works. And we got pray. We're people. We're called to pray. We do everything but pray sometimes. And I, we had a choice to make. That's how it really. That's how this worked. And it wasn't complicated. So just got to make a choice about which way to go. And we were at dinner, and we just, you know, it wasn't a long prayer. It was a simple conversation, because that's what prayer is, to talk with God. And we said, Lord, you know, if you want us to go this direction, which would be to, to Jacksonville, to the Mayo Clinic, then we're going to go that direction. If you want us to go, it's the two options. We only had two, praise God. 
The doctor gave us two options. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to go to Tampa. There's a specialist down there that's one of the a world-renowned specialists. I'd, I'd actually done a lot of research through this particular doctor in Tampa. We'll go either direction. And we pray to dinner. Next day, Dr. Call says, uh, Mayo Clinic's confirmed. You're on for next a week from whatever that was, a couple weeks. So a week from this Monday, Miss Laura's going to have surgery again. The next day is going to be our, our 32nd anniversary, the 28th. And I hear, here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. We're not victims today in this. I'm not a victim. I asked my wife, I said, how are you doing? She goes, I am full of joy. You know what she said? I choose joy. I choose not to live by my circumstance. I choose not to live by how I feel, by emotions, by the lies of the enemy, by a bad doctor's report. I choose the report of the Lord. I choose to obey the will of God. Come on, we are people of joy. We're people of faith. We're people of hope. We're people who trust our God. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and we fear no evil. If God be for us, who can be against us? Come on, let's give him a praise in the house. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Come on, let's give him a praise. Oh, he's a good, good God. He's a good father. Yes. dismissing the reality of pain. I'm not dismissing the problems that we've encountered. I'm not dismissing the doctors. Hear me today. Don't get this confused. Don't get this confused today. I'm not dismissing the words that I heard in that doctor's office three weeks ago. I'm not dismissing that today. But today I choose. I choose to believe another report. I choose joy. Lord chooses joy. We're not victims in, in this thing. We are victors today. He's called us to be overcomers. Come on, he's called you. And there's something, last week we talked about our Father in heaven. And I just wanted to, if you could just, do, just humor me for a moment. Just endure with me just for another moment. I know it's a little longer today. But can we just take a, a moment of time of praise and worship? And we're getting, and Brandon and the team's going to lead us. and let, that, let his breath fill your lungs. And let's just begin to worship our King. Let's begin to invite this heavenly reality into our earthly experience right now in this moment. Come on, let's sing to the Lord. 